Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison. I'm a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and uh, here we have our first ever Niner Noise Podcast reaction. Uh, immediate, well, not immediate, but relatively immediate uh, reaction pod as week one is over. As far as the, the 49ers are concerned, they have finished out week one with a 1-0 record uh, after a 41-33 victory over the Detroit Lions at uh, Ford Field uh, on Sunday afternoon. It was a, um, a, a very strange game, um, to be sure. Um, <laughs> the Niners jumped out to a, to a massive lead. They were up uh, 31-10 at halftime, and um, managed to to hold that lead, got it all the way up to thirty eight to thirty eight to to ten, and then thirty eight to seventeen uh, heading into the fourth quarter, and then the and then things got real weird. Um, as as you know from from watching it, the the Lions managed to score twice inside of uh, the last couple of minutes of the game. There was a, a weird uh, botched uh, onside kick from George Kittle. It took it off the face mask. The Lions immediately scored and made it a a relatively close game. Um, really, the final score does not indicate how close of a game it actually was. Um, they had to throw the ball a lot. Um, they did end up with a, a, a fairly large amount of offense when it was all said and done, but a lot of it came in garbage time. And, and the again, the the botched onside kick sort of made the, the game seem a little bit closer than it was, but it, it certainly was nervy uh, towards the end. Um, for sure. But the idea that we're going to do with these, with these podcasts, we're going to try them in a couple of different formats as we kind of get used to this new operation of having a relatively immediate response to the game and then looking uh, ahead to the next game um, later on in the week. For this particular one, just because uh, some weird scheduling things happened, uh, you're going to hear from me and then you're going to hear from Chris a little bit later. Um, we're so it's a, <laughs> a little monologue uh but hopefully still good but before we do that we're gonna stop for just a minute and take a uh, a moment to hear a word from our sponsors 
Well, the Nine Rush Podcast only needs one sponsor. And you know who that sponsor is? It's manscaped.com. My favorite topic of conversation until I think like three weeks from now. So you better jump on some of these deals before they go away. And it will continue to be my favorite topic of conversation, perhaps permanently, but particularly due to my passion for their products, I assume that they will be back sooner rather than later unless they're off saving the world in some other capacity. And since I do talk about Manscaped a lot, I do get some questions about the various products that I discuss and praise on the pod. So recently I've been speaking about the Performance Package 4.0 and the Perfect Package 4.0. There are two state-of-the-art packages that come with 20% off and free shipping when you use the code FANSIDED20 at checkout and include all of the latest technology from Manscaped. Even before your FANSIDED discount, these packages already come at a significant savings of nearly 50%. Now, if you're a regular listener, you already have an expert level understanding of Manscaped's product lines. But the most common question that I'm asked is, which one do I pick? And I think because these packages include so many Manscaped items, sometimes the differences between the packages gets lost in the overall awesomeness of the products. Luckily for me, because I had to look it up, the answer to your question is fairly simple because there's only one difference between the Perfect Package 4.0 and the Performance Package 4.0. Actually, technically, there are two differences, but they're directly related. The Perfect Package 4.0 is $20 cheaper than the Performance Package 4.0 because the Performance Package includes one extra item, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer which is an item that you either know that you need, you know that you definitely don't need, or you're unsure if you need it, which usually means that you really need it. Essentially, it's a product that retails for $40 that you're getting for $20. My personal advice is if you don't currently own a high-end electric nose hair trimmer, it's sort of a no-brainer to go with the performance package because good luck finding a electric nose hair trimmer of this quality for $20 because they don't exist. Essentially, you'd somehow have to find a used one. And I can see the look on your face when you're thinking about what that would be like. And if you already have one, then go grab the perfect package and you save yourself 20 bucks. Just as a reminder, as if you don't already have it memorized now, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. 20% off, free shipping, manscaped.com with code FANSIDED20 at checkout. And as always, we appreciate Manscaped's ongoing support of the Nair Noise podcast. All right. Now that we are back, um, just wanted to talk about a couple of things that I liked, a couple of things that I didn't like um, from uh, the game uh, on Sunday, the win over the the Lions. Uh, first of all, um, great to see uh, Jimmy Garoppolo out there playing well. Uh, end of the game, 17 to 25, 314 yards. Um, did take one sack. Um, and, but he did have, uh, one touchdown throw. Um, and we also got to see the first NFL, uh, regular season touchdown from Trey Lance. He threw one pass for five yards and, uh, completed it for a touchdown. Uh, so that was really nice to see. Got a couple of other snaps where he, he, he tried to run the ball, but it wasn't a particularly successful, um, outing. <laughs> Let's just say this, both, uh, Lance and Garoppolo technically counted for three carries for two yards. So not, not ideal. Um, also nice to see a, a breakout performance from rookie uh, uh, Elijah Mitchell, sixth round pick out of Louisiana, finished the game 19 carries for 104 yards, 
um, after Raheem Mostert went out with an injury early in the game. Um, and then a big game from uh, from uh, third year receiver Debo Samuel, nine catches, 189 yards, and a touchdown on just a spectacular catch and throw. Um, Garoppolo was uh, was pressured and sort of threw it to the back shoulder. Samuel made a great recovery, um, kind of got the better of Jesh- of uh, Lions cornerback Jeff Akuda, um, who, who couldn't quite make the play, and then uh, broke away from the defenders and, and ended up running it in for a score. Um, so all in all, the offense looked great. Um, I, I think they're the 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 other interesting part is that it didn't seem like they really uh, opened up the playbook as much as they could. I think they can get a lot more out of Trey Lance, for example. Um, when opportunities come, I think that there are some little things that we saw that we that we have seen in the past with Shanahan um, and, and his offense that we didn't we didn't see on Sunday. And I think it'll be really interesting to see how much he gets to open that up a little bit more as we as we move forward as the season goes along. Um, but I, I think if nothing else, we know uh, this offense is going to be able to score points. The question will be if uh, the defense can hold up because it, it got a little dicey towards the end. Some of that had to do with the fact that they um, they lost a couple of players uh, to injury. Uh, Drake Greenlaw, who was playing very well, he had a, a pick six of, of Jared Goff uh, in the second quarter. Um, ended up not playing much of this of the of the second half. Uh, so that was not something that you wanted to see. Um, Aziz Alshair stepped in admirably for him, actually played quite well. Um, but at one point, um, the the defensive backfield, which is really the the most troubling part of this team uh, for sure, uh, was down to Dante Johnson, um, Diamador Lenore, who actually started and, and played quite well, actually. Um, and and they had Tavon Wilson and um, Talanoa Hufanga out there on defense at the same time. Now, some of that was related to the fact that earlier in that quarter, they had lost uh, Jason Brett to what the team is um, fearing might be a torn ACL. Uh, and so they were really sort of deep into the um, into the depths of what is not a very deep position um, by any stretch in the imagination. So uh, that's that's going to be concerning and something to pay attention to moving forward. Um and, and in terms of things that I didn't like, uh, the injuries that popped up, we, we had all that last season and Chris and I, Chris and I have talked about that a great deal. Um, we don't want to see any more of those injuries, but I think by and large, other than the fact that, that they allowed the, the lions to sort of sneak into this game, um, making the score look a lot closer than I think the game was on the whole. Um, I think by and large, this is something that the 49ers can build on. And if they can can really clamp down on on teams just a little bit more, um, and again, I think the last touchdown from the Lions is a little bit. It makes it seem like this game is a little bit closer because if you know George Kittle handles the the onside kick, then then we're probably not talking about this. We're talking about a game that the Niners won by you know uh, sixteen instead of instead of eight. So uh, I think that's it's a concern and it's something to watch from here on out, but. Um, the good news is that the offense is looking good um, and I think has only really uh, scratched the surface of what they're going to be capable of this year. So something to pay attention to for sure. They didn't have the ball very much, but um, I'm excited to see what they're going to be able to do both in the run game and the pass game, uh, whether that be with Jimmy Garoppolo or with Trey Lance. And now let's go ahead and uh, hear from Chris and see what his thoughts are on uh, the 49ers win in week number one against the Lions. 
Yeah, I'm not concerned about the time of possession issue at all. And the reason why we didn't have the ball is because we kept scoring so quickly <laughs> and we just rattled off those chunk plays. I'd much rather do it that way because there's less opportunity to make a mistake and less opportunity to get to a third down along. So I'm happy with the way they were able to score so quickly. So this game was an interesting one, especially if you were into experiencing a wide range of emotions. For me, the second half just left a bad taste in my mouth. And mostly because of the injuries. To me, that was much more important than their comeback, thanks to some sort of freaky plays and then the normal Shanahan and just switch from playing the other team to playing the clock. All breaks, no gas. And I agree the final score doesn't come close to telling the whole story of what really happened during this game. Well, at least when the 49ers' first string defense was in there and, you know, before Shaney started playing the clock, as he always tends to do, because he enjoys giving fans heart attacks. But when the Niners had their first stringers in the game and Shaney was trying, they absolutely dominated the lines. And particularly on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, they really could not be stopped. And defensively, the first team defense allowed, what, one touchdown drive that was extended by a roughing the passer call, one field goal, and that's it. At least until the Niners brought in their backups on D, who have some room for improvement. I think that's a kind way of putting it. So not only did it take injuries to Verrett, and man, that is going to be a very tough one. I have no idea how we're going to compensate for him. As well as Greenlaw, who I think actually injured himself on that fantastic pick six that you promised us. It also took a number of unlucky and improbable plays and a second team defense that's simply not ready for game action, which is expected when you fill your secondary with a bunch of guys who never played the NFL level before. And then when you mix that all together with some version of Salah's double vanilla with extra vanilla toppings and a side of vanilla prevent light defense that he plays. I was sort of hoping he would take that with him and not leave a copy for us to use because it doesn't work. But you have to remember that we do have a DC, the rookie himself, and he has very little coaching experience. He was playing football like five years ago and he did finally figure out on the final drive that even Jared Goff will dink and dunk and mouth breathe his ugly Ryan Gosling and a shway down the field over and over until you simply pressure him and then he immediately curls up into a fetal position and you win the game. So it took all of those shanahanigans for the Lions to manage to take a 24-point deficit at the two-minute warning and make it way, way, way too interesting. But we knew, or at least... I felt like I knew the Niners were never going to lose this game. These two teams were just miles apart talent-wise. And after just trouncing them all afternoon, as soon as the Niners started trying again with their actual starters in the game and pressuring off a little bit, then the lines went four and out. But still, the infamous no-gas-all-break strategy helped keep the game way closer than it should have been. But uh, W is a W, and the 49ers are now 1-0 to start the season. I just wouldn't 
expect a touchdown plus line for this upcoming week. Even though we did technically cover the 7.5 line that was posted when we did this week's preview episode. So to finish up with the defense, I was a little surprised the Lions running backs look so much better than they really are. Usually we have the opposite effect on other teams' running backs. And they came at us on the ground and through the air with their backs. I believe both Swift and Williams both had over 100 total yards. And they were a little bit better in the receiving game, but overall they were pretty efficient on the ground as well. There were just too many plays that should have been short gains and turned into decent chunk plays. So we really need to tighten out going forward. Oh yeah, and I told you that Hawkinson was pretty good, especially when we didn't cover him. Our starting front forward did pretty well against the pass. Both Bosa and Ford picked up their first of hopefully many sacks for the 2021 season, and Bosa would have had a couple more if the refs felt like doing their job and threw a flag once in a while. And it really got me thinking after the game, is he like blacklisted or something? Are they mad about something his girlfriend or ex-girlfriend or whatever status is once said on social media or who knows? You know, I don't know. It's like at this point it's just conjecture, but it seems like they're treating him differently than they treat other defensive ends in the NFL. But it's kind of beyond the point of just coincidence. It's turned into a running joke with the local media and Shanahan where they keep asking him why he's being held and Shanahan keeps saying, well, he's just always held. <laughs> but I don't really find it that funny because in the end, it really hurts the legitimacy of the game. And it obviously really hurts the team. I mean, it costs the team the Super Bowl. And I'm sort of concerned that the absurdity from the Super Bowl is just going to be an every week occurrence that he's going to have to overcome. And that puts the team in a very difficult situation when it comes to re-signing him. Is the team willing to, or is it even smart to offer him a huge contract if you're not sure if you're getting 100% of him this week or if you're getting 50% of him this week because the refs decided to render him not as useful? And obviously the team that sees him practice every day, they know him and they know his talent level a lot better than fans or anybody whose only real experience with him is watching him on the field during actual games when it's really difficult to determine how good he is because of the way he's treated differently on the football field. And that's a little bit crazy when you think about it because that's the only way that we can really analyze players. So we have a second overall really should have been first overall draft pick from three years ago. He's played roughly a year and a half worth of games. Thanks a lot, New Jersey. Yet, personally, I don't really know how good he truly is. He's obviously good. Otherwise, he wouldn't be demolishing linemen and being held so often. But is he top 10 good? Is he all pro good? Is he potential Hall of Fame good? Is he maybe just a little bit above average good? Like if someone were to ask me, who's the better edge rusher, Nick Bosa or Joey Bosa? I honestly have no idea. And there's absolutely no way for me to know. 
because for some reason, Nick plays within a different set of rules. The regular NFL rules don't apply to him. He's held to some kind of different standard for some reason. And I think it's pretty unfair if we don't have an opportunity to see him play under the same rules on a level playing field with the other top addressers in the league before we have to resign him. What is the value of his nine sacks in his rookie season? Is that the same as like 14 sacks for Alden Smith and his rookie season? Or is it more like was it 19 and a half sacks that he had the next season? Or are we talking like Jared Allen, you know, 22, 23 sacks that he had when he was in his prime? Or maybe it's not that much of a difference. But I know that it is a difference because I see instances when he would have sacked the quarterback if the refs allowed him to. And of course that happens to other tons of linemen as well. It's not just him, but it's not at this rate. I wish the referees would just allow him to play ball like they do with all the other players in the league for a little while, like a season. So we can get an idea of how good Nick Bosa really is. And it wouldn't be difficult for them to do. All they have to do is do their job at a semi-incompetent level. Well, even though Bosa was being assaulted for most of the day, he was still disruptive against the pass and the run. So he gets my defensive game ball for week one. On offense, let's get the messy stuff out of the way first. Mostert injury is obviously very bad news, especially since we got rid of Gallman, who we could have thrown right in there as lead back. He wouldn't have been as good, but at least he's competent. I think Mitchell played well enough to show why the 49ers drafted him, but not well enough to see the normal 60% of the 49ers snaps that the lead back usually gets. And my guess is he will be one of the most hated players in the fantasy community within a couple weeks, if not like one week, thanks to all the fab money that was spent on him. Sermon should be active next week after being a healthy scratch this week. And at some point this season, he'll be the lead back in this offense, at least until my cousin Jeff Wilson Jr. is back. As for the receivers... Ayuk's lack of usage was pretty disappointing. <laughs> Welcome to Richie James's world. Obviously, we're not getting the whole picture here. <laughs> Shanahan doesn't really think that Sherfield is a better wide receiver than his best true receiver and potential future number one wideout in Ayuk. He needs to get back on the field and play ball so everyone can forget about whatever the silliness is. <laughs> Although, I do enjoy the fact that the Shanahan doghouse has become like a thing that even Shani references, but it's also a place that I doesn't deserve to be in considering how badly we need him in this offense. We've known for a couple years now that Kittle is quite capable of catching one-handed passes in heavy traffic with his eyes closed. But unfortunately on Sunday, we learned that he cannot catch a football with his face. Maybe that's something that we need to practice. Not the catching with your face part, but just the hands team in general or all of the special teams because we were doing some pretty wacky stuff last year and our return game needs some help and a lot less dancing and running across the field and a lot more moving north-south toward the opponent's end zone. So we really missed out on the main event. 
you didn't see much of Trey Lance, who was on the field for just four snaps. And he only threw one pass out of those four snaps, which happened to be a gimme five-year touchdown on the 49ers' first whole drive. And I'm sure he's happy that he got that touchdown pass box checked off right away. Otherwise, all he really did was run the ball and not very well for a total of two yards on three carries. And two of the runs were sort of costly, but not necessarily his fault. They certainly weren't my favorite play calls, and the offensive line didn't really do many favors, but he got stuff behind the line on a third and one, which forced the Niners to punt. And he only managed two yards on a third and very long, like third and 20 or something like that, which forced Gold into kicking a field goal in his range, but more on the edge of it, and he missed it. And speaking about that, if it were up to me, I would ask Gold to stop missing so many field goals and extra points, especially since we're already paying him way too much and his salary is guaranteed for this year and the next year as well. This play seems to be declining over the last couple of years, and we really need him to stay consistent just for you know, the next two years for his contract to make any sense. But I did see that he was kicking off, and he did a pretty good job too. So maybe that's how he's earning his weekly paychecks. But more likely, that's a Mish thing. And by a Mish thing, I don't mean that he's bad at kickoffs. I mean, it's his punishment for changing numbers on me. Back to Trey, we really didn't get to learn much about him in his first regular season game. We do know that the Lions were prepared for him in the running game, so at least we have other teams worrying about that. But we still don't know if he's just a very mobile NFL quarterback or if he has the speed and quickness to be a serious rushing and scrambling threat in the NFL just like it was in college. But my guess is that opportunity is coming sooner rather than later. And speaking of quarterbacks, particularly those who are about to lose their job, Jimmy G was hot like fire against the Lions. Grapple had one of the top performances of any quarterback in week one. JG leads the NFL in, and listen to some of these absolutely absurd numbers. Yards per completion at 18.5. Yards per pass attempt at 12.6. Net yards per attempt at 11.8. And longest touchdown pass at 79 yards. Plus, he's getting rid of the ball quicker than he has at any point in his career at just 2.2 seconds, which does a good job in helping him to overcome the team's offensive line issues. This offense was running on all cylinders on Sunday, and... There's credit to go around to many people. Oddly enough, beginning with Trey Lance. Shanahan, probably not intentionally, is calling a lot more passing plays on early downs, which is one of his biggest blind spots as a play caller. And he's calling more plays with deeper passing options, I assume in anticipation of having Lance under center. But with Jimmy on the field, taking full advantages of the opportunities and improved play calling that Shanahan rarely provides for him. And although Garoppolo converted some difficult third and longs late in the game by throwing the ball and throwing it deeper on early downs, 
the 49ers were able to move up and down the field throughout the first half, scoring 24 straight points while only facing two total third downs. And one of the primary players who made that possible is Debo, who absolutely went off with a career-high 189 receiving yards, which is currently second in the NFL, and a league-leading 21 yards per touch, which will not last, since that's 50% higher than the league leader in an average year. He did make the mistake of fumbling a third-and-long reception that would have iced the game in the final minutes, but Garoppolo also had the bad exchange to start off the game, so... I'm going to cut my offensive game ball in half and give one half to Debo and the other half to Jimmy G. And that, my friends, was the first game of the San Francisco 49ers 2021 NFL season. Somehow in 20 odd minutes. So Robert, kind sir, why don't you take us out? Thanks as always for listening to the Niner Noise podcast, uh, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. As always, we uh, appreciate you uh, coming back to us to uh, check out what we have to say about uh, the Niners. And we're looking forward to this entire year where we can uh, talk more about the Niners throughout the season. But um, thanks again for listening to this episode of the Niner Noise podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. As always, check out Niner Noise for all your latest 49ers news and analysis. Be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And of course, if you leave us a review and include a question, we'll give you a shout out on there and answer your question. And of course, share the podcast, please, with all your fellow 49er fan friends. So until next time, let's sound the horn, 49ers. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.